Yo, yo, welcome to Starbucks. I am your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we have Jim Rosati. Jim, happy Monday. Happy Monday and uh, and good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing good. There's a uh, there's a chill in the air. You can tell fall is uh, fall is coming. You know, pumpkin spice latte time for everybody out there. That's the I'm, worst. No, I'm Why not. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not a pumpkin spice fan, but I will say this. This is the first time in a while that I've had like hot coffee in the morning oh. for this show. Usually, you know, depending if it's hot, you know, I'll do iced coffee. But this morning I've got hot coffee. Okay. Whatevs. That always disappoints me. I hate like the first time that it's cold and it feels like fall because I don't like winter and it's very depressing. So I'm going to forget that you talked about that. We'll move forward. I'd rather have the pumpkin spice than the <laughs> than the chill in the air. But that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. You know, it also is uh maybe a little depressing. Depends on I guess your state of mind. Um for pirate fans, probably not that disappointing. But there's like two weeks of baseball left. Yeah, I think you can look at it in a few different ways. Like one, like Thank you that there's only two weeks of baseball left, but in another, you know, it, it, it is, it's a grind to watch a team. That's not that great over the course of 162 games, you know, 180 day stretch, something like that. Um, when the game, when the, when your team's fun, you know, you don't want, you don't want the season to end. Uh, but even when the team's bad, Donardo, I think I still, I still get sad at the end of the year. Like, cause it's like, it's six months without baseball that point yeah like i love football don't get me wrong love football college basketball like that'll that'll keep me that'll keep me busy throughout the off season but um yeah there's just nothing like baseball i'm with you man even even for the pirates it's it, it's it's a love hate it's exactly like you said it's the grind i will have the biggest sigh of relief on that last game that it's over. <laughs> like I don't have to do this every day, this post game and this and that, right? But at the same time, I was like, man, it's over. Like, this is it. This is done. So uh, I'm at that point. I'm a little depressed. Like, man, it's only two weeks. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, it's two weeks. I can get into off-season mode because I love off-season mode. I hope Ben Charrington loves off-season mode because I love off-season mode. And if he loves it and I love it, we'll get along this off-season. Hey, if he... um. If everybody does their job at a high level, <laughs> should be good off season. That was a good setup. Does, do, do you want to transition that into our our very first topic? I guess let's do it. So, word on the street is everyone's talking. There is a buzz about the twenty twenty four season and whether you want to have Josh Palacios. Or Miguel Andujar. 
because they are ballers, apparently. Hey, Miguel Andujar, 794 OPS in the majors this year. 108 weighted runs created plus in the majors this year. You couple that with the season in Indianapolis where he hit 338, slugged 536, 135 weighted runs created plus, just dominated the International League. There's there's one guy. And then the other guy is batting like 800 with runners in scoring positions or late in ball games with high leverage. Like he's the most clutch hitter since Derek Cheater. <laughs> So are we really here? Are we really? <laughs> this is where we're. Team? This is this is where we're at. Stop it, Jim. What are we doing? What are we doing? I understand. Like people literally have asked this to us and discussed it among them, and because apparently there's a lot of people who've and, and like this isn't like made up. Oh, this is this is something we've been talking about. I feel like for well over a month. How Josh Palacios is a good baseball player. Josh Palacios is likely a fourth outfielder, and not not in a slight like th- that's like yeah. I mean that's not like best case scenario. It's like ah, oh, you know, he's probably not a starter. He's probably unfortunately a fourth outfielder. And now we have Miguel Andor up, right? And we know that there's been people that have been calling for Miguel Andor to come up here because of how good he's had in AAA, right? Not a majority, clearly. And now this is really a majority, but word on the street is, is this is a thing and and then about now Miguel Andohar is up and he hits a home run yesterday we, we saw that right big part in the win yeah so now we have to discuss if Miguel Andohar is also him and if he should be on this team next year and neither of them have to be neither should be if Ben Charrington wants to have a high <laughs> leverage offseason <laughs> Uh, for talking about high leverage situations, right? This is going to be a high leverage situation for him as well this offseason. If he wants to hit 800 in that, he is not going to have this team in a situation where it has to have Josh Palacios and Miguel Andor on it. So the thing is, Jim, it's not Josh Palacios or Miguel Andor. It's quite neither. I don't think you could look for the people watching no, the podcast. Don't that look like I'm an idiot. You're no, an I'm idiot. Not, I'm not getting that look. I'm not. I'm not asking. I'm not. I'm not going to say anybody's an idiot here or, or anything like that. But um, I, I don't know if the question necessarily has to be. You know, is is Joshua Palacios uh, Joshua Palacios like your fourth outfielder going into next year? But I think you can have a, a question saying like, you know. Would you rather keep Joshua Palacios or Kanan Smith and Jigba on the 40 man roster, you know, throughout the off season? Like is, I think that may be a fair question to ask. I think it might be fair to say, you know, Hey, does, does Miguel Andujar deserve a 40 man spot and an invite to spring training to see if he can, if he can make this team next year, because it's hard to argue with the results that Andujar has had this year, at all levels, AAA, majors, whatever it is, like he's hitting the ball 
He was the best hitter in Indianapolis all season, all season, except for the times when Joshua Palacios was down here, down there, if we're being honest. He was the best hitter down there. Andujar number two. Andujar comes up. That's he's hitting. Funny. He's hitting. Um, Palacios, again, the overall numbers don't jump out at you, but high leverage situations, Donardo. He's he's a 300 average, 323 OBP, 600 slugging percentage, and a 142 weighted runs created plus. He's <clears throat> he's one of the best hitters in the league in high leverage situations. He just always comes up big. Now he can't do anything in any other spot. But like, is he like a pinch hitting specialist for you? You know, John Vanderwall or whatever back in the day. Craig Wilson <laughs> was kind of the same way, right? Um, yeah. But. That's, I guess, that's my question. Is I don't know if you necessarily hand these guys a roster spot. Um, I have a feeling that if you were to pass Palacios through, you know, waivers this offseason, he wouldn't get claimed, right? And then you can re sign him to a minor league deal, invite him to spring training, all that. Andujar is someone who may get claimed if you were to DFA him. Probably not, though, because of the salary. Like, I mean, he's due to make about $2 million next year. So we'll see. I'm just saying I wouldn't have a problem with either of these two guys being in the organization next year, heading into the season with a chance to compete for a job, even if that job is just, hey, you're you're going to be depth. If we're at the point where you're – you won't be upset that they're in the organization. And by in the organization, you mean that they were DFA'd and all 29 other teams said, we also do not want these players because these players are not good players. And they happen to just fall through and say, you know what? Fine. We'll stay in the organization and sign as a minor league free agent. And yeah, <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> but like, I do not want any situation Everything that we worried about Miguel Andor last year, I had the same issues with this year, right? When he was claimed by the Pirates with nine games to go, I feel like on this very show, Jim, we discussed, don't get hoodwinked. Don't trick us, right? <laughs> Do not have a nine-game stretch where you perform. And just in nine games, you have like 100 weighted runs created plus or greater, right? Maybe you hit two home runs in those nine games. And now Ben Charrington says, guys, we got our first base. He's not going to be the first base. But, like, I don't want this to be that same situation. I don't want Miguel Andor coming up here, having this 108 way to run creative plus, right? And us now thinking, like, hey, Miguel Andor is him. We have a roster spot resolved next year. Miguel Andujar is part of this 26 going forward, so I can check mark that off this roster. I don't need to make any trades, any additions, because I have Miguel Andujar, right? Or Joshua Palacios. Like, that's my – I don't really want to say fear because I don't think Ben Charrington's there. I could be very wrong. But that's, that's my problem with this question. This question pretty much says – the spots are locked up. And here's the problem. And you kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday. If you have Miguel Andohar, like at least Joshua Palacios is a bad outfielder, but he's an outfielder. Miguel Andohar is just 
bad. So is he your DH? Okay. So then we're just simply not going to bring back Kutch because we have Miguel Andujar. Like, it just seems like that's not a right move. Like, if you're serious about bringing back Kutch, you're you're not bringing back Miguel Andujar because, like, where are you fitting Miguel Andujar at? I understand, like, you're going to platoon Kutch probably a little bit more next year. Like, he he's not going to be, like, the everyday player, hopefully, likely, right? Because, again, you're improving. You want to give him probably lesser at-bats. But don't fill those with Miguel Andujar. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. <laughs> neither neither player should be should be on the 40 man roster next season. Um, I, I think if they're able to stick in the organization, I'm fine with keeping Joshua Palacios around as like a you know a seventh outfield option. Um, Miguel right. Andujar. Sure, keep him down there. And then, hey, if Kutch has to go on the IL next year, then you've got Miguel Andujar you can maybe call up and, and, and take over his roster spot. Um, I, I, um, I'm leaning more towards I, – I, I also don't – like Joshua Palacios would not get claimed off of waivers. Like Joshua Palacios would pass through waivers if you DFA him. You can bring him back as a minor league free agent. Like he's not – no team is using a roster spot on Joshua Palacios. Basically, I know we like him and like we remember really how many times. Right. I mean, like we remember his good moments, like his good moments are awesome. He's a very, he's a very fun player to root for. Like uh, I wish he was better than he was overall, but it, it, he's come through in the clutch a few times this year. Every time he shows up, seems to be in a big, big spot, but just he disappears every other spot. Right. Uh, so yeah. And Joshua Palacios is not a rosterable player. If you're talking about him coming back as a fourth outfielder next year, like, no, no, guys. Like, he he's 26% worse than a league average hitter. He is, has a negative two war. Um, he's he's not he's not someone that a good baseball team has on their roster. Like, and it's not like he's young. Like, I, 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 just, I feel like that right. gets tied to him a lot, too. Like, he's the same age as Brian Reynolds. He's 28. Yeah. Right. He's not young. He's not the young bucks. No. So – but I, you know what, all four, like, I want this dude in my organization. Like I want this dude down Indy, just like raking, like I'm, I'm cool with that. And then if you need to call somebody up because two other people or three other people got hurt or whatnot, whatever. Right. If that happened, the season's a disaster anyways, <laughs> most likely. Uh, Anduhar though, I mentioned it a little bit on the, on the post game yesterday. I do think there may be something left in the tank there, but I just don't think the Pirates are the right team for him to to show it. Like that, like you mentioned, and like Doug mentioned on the post game last night, there's just not a spot for him. It really isn't. Like you take a look at this roster right now. Like, how are you going to roster both Miguel Andujar and Henry Davis on a team? Like, forget about Kutch. Like, just think about those two. That's guys. a good point too. Yeah. Like Henry Davis is going to be someone who's going to DH and play right field. Miguel Andujar is going to be a guy who DHs and plays right field. They're both right-handed hitters. Like, there's not room for both of those guys on the team. And so you got to pick one. And you're not picking Miguel Andujar over your first overall pick from three years ago, right? So, right. but I think they're, they're like that, 
that was an impressive triple a season now impressive triple a seasons don't necessarily mean you're, you're going to be a good major league hitter but like miguel andujar showed enough this year to at least like still have a job next year like miguel andujar will have a job and and on a on a major league baseball team or a triple a team next year right unless he wants to go overseas probably get paid more and and like dominate the kbo or something like he could do that too if he wanted that's fair but but like he's he's shown this year that he is uh, he is deserving of a job in affiliated baseball. That's fair, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean that, that's absolutely fair. You just can't go into a season leaning on him and, and that, like penciling him in as part of your twenty six. And, and again, like for the Pirates, like even forget the Henry Davis and Andrew McCutcheon. They're just too far from that point like if this is 2020 2021 sure like let's take a shot let's really give him an opportunity and see a lot of major league plate appearances to find out what he is but like they just simply can't do that now like they can't afford all these guys where they let's let's, let's find out <laughs> you know like they're past that they have to know now you have to start winning games and miguel andohar still like he has this mystique because he's had this great triple a season where he was a old man playing against a bunch of boys and just dominated them right and now you're like you're gonna take that and say oh well look how good he was in triple a great and now he's gonna have this like last few weeks in the majors and and they're gonna use that small sample coupled with what he did in triple a and say okay miguel andor like no you can't do that there's nothing proven about him the only thing he has proven is he's fumbled every time he's been in the majors except for these past few weeks that's that's it. Like that's what he's proven so far. So, anyways, I don't want to go too 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 deep into this, but I would probably say like if I am going to choose, I'm going to choose Palacios. But neither should be on this 26. Neither should be thought of in that sense. But if they fall through in the organization, like fine, they're part of your organization, great. But they're like way way down there on your depth chart as far as options go. Yeah. I'm I I'm agree I agree with you there. Like if you have to pick one, I'm picking Palacios. But again, like Palacios, there's no room on the 26 man for him. Mm -mm. There's a there's a non roster there now, invite. But there should there's be. A, yeah, like there's a non roster invite to spring training. You know that's that's there because yeah. because I don't think anybody would take him, and I think and I think he's a good guy to have in the org. But. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I think you kind of move on from Andujar. I'm also I'm okay with playing Andujar at the end of the season here and seeing maybe if you can trade him for a reliever or something during the offseason. There may be a team that looks at him and says, "Yeah, we've got room for him, right? We can we can maybe give him a shot." That team's not going to be the Pirates, though. Yeah, I still think that's very very doubtful that would happen, but sure. All right. I think it is too, but it's possible. Yeah. Like, I want to go the route, like, like Kevin Newman was traded for Moretta, you know, but like Kevin Newman's a much better baseball player than Miguel Andujar. Is he? Yes. I don't yeah. know. I don't know the answer to that question. I'm pretty confident that Kevin Newman is a better player than Miguel Andujar. Okay. So, and that's what we're talking about. Like, like Kevin Newman was at that point. Like, are you just DFA him? Like, they're able to trade him. You know, that's kind of how we felt. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Moretta turned out to be like fair. And 
worked out, you know, for, for the Pirates in that sense. And that's like, I guess what you're kind of looking at, like you're looking at a player that's like Moretta, like nothing really, really interesting, but maybe there can be something there. Uh, but I still feel like I would rather have Kevin Newman on my team than Miguel Anduar. I probably, I wouldn't have, I would, I don't want either. Well, yes, <laughs> that, this literal conversation is about two guys that we want no part of. <laughs> Shall we move on? <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> so a player that we definitely do want, uh, but we're trying to find out what the hell's going on. Your boy from Louisville. Jim, what is up with Henry Davis? The The world is asking because he's a first overall pick. He comes through the minors rather quickly, tears up double A, comes up to triple A for a small little sample there tears it up, reaches the majors, and he just looks like a great ball player. And then he struggles. I know there's an injury. He gets, you know, put in the IL. During his rehab stint, though, with AAA, like, he was crushing it. He was so good these few games in AAA, right? So you just thought, okay, like, Henry Davis is back. There's no problems. He's now 0 for 6 with 6 strikeouts. Jim, what are you doing in Louisville? Like, what's up with you people? Why do you all suck? That's a, it's a little bit of a loaded question, don't you think? <laughs> what I say yesterday is a bad day for Louisville grads. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't. I mean, we had a good day yesterday, honestly. Um, <clears throat> except for Henry Davis. Henry Davis didn't do, uh, yeah, two games back. He First game, he went 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. Yesterday, at one point, he was over 3 with three strikeouts. He did make contact in his fourth at bat. He flew out. But he's 0 for 7 now. Oh, yeah, my bad. Over seven with now. six strikeouts since coming back off the IL. I don't know if the hand's still bothering him. I don't know if you can blame that for just a complete lack of contact at the plate. Like, you, you could blame the hand, I think, if it's like you're not making contact. Um, cause the hand didn't really seem to be bothering him all that much in, in triple a, right. I mean, he, right. he dominated down there during his rehab stint. Yeah. I, I mean, it's frustrating to see because you know that like the talent is there. Um, you know, he's, he's clearly shown it throughout the minors, you know, shooting through each level got here really fast. He's shown success here too. Like that's, that's the frustrating part is. The guy homered twice off of Shohei Otani, and then basically ever since that point, he hasn't been able to hit the ball. I don't know. It like, and he was he like used like, up all his energy right there, and he can't hit the rest of the year. Right. I was gonna say like his struggles started like right around then too, and then like he had that, and that that's the moment you thought, okay, they're put away. Henry Davis is back, and like you said, it got even worse. Yeah, he was he was kind of in a nice little stretch there in like mid July. Hits the two homers off Otani, and then since then, just can't get anything going. Um, you've got the injury involved. You got the injury in there as well. So he missed. I mean, he missed about a month worth of playing time. I think. I mean, you got to be patient with him, right? Like he's your first overall pick. You're relying on him heavily. He needs to get playing time because he's not going to get better. If, he's not going to get better in AAA. Just crushing the ball off of guys he's way better than right like that's not how you right. that's not how you get better it's not how you adjust like he's going to have to face these guys and he's gonna have to just learn how to hit 
I, I, I kind of, one thing I always said about Cabrian Hayes, right, was I'm not going to count the guy out because just incredible makeup and good athleticism. Henry Davis, same reasons, right? Like he's a really good athlete. Like he looks bad out there in right field, but he's certainly capable of playing the position. Like it's not a, it's not a physical limitation of his, right? Like he can do it. It's just a matter of like, like translating it all to becoming a really good outfielder. Uh, but he's got all the tools to be a good right fielder. Um, so he's got all the tools. He's got the athleticism. You, you, you've heard all throughout, you know, ever since he was drafted, the, the makeup, like the guy works his butt off. Um, he's going to do everything he can to succeed on, you know, when it comes to just himself. Uh, so I'm not, you know, if I'm betting on somebody, I'm betting on Henry Davis figuring it out. Like the, the makeup's too good. The athleticism's too good. The power's too good. He's going to figure out at some point. It's just, we don't know how long it's going to take. Just like we didn't know how long it was going to take with Hayes. I don't think it's going to take that as long <laughs> as it did with Hayes because Davis has shown it, you know, at an earlier age, uh, but yeah, better not better not. Uh, if, if it takes, if it takes Henry Davis five years to figure it out, then we're, we, we're having issues, but no, you got to play him the rest of the year. You got to give him, maybe try to get him some at bats during the off season. Um, but they need him. They need him. Like, like there's no doubt about it. He's got to, he's got to have a spot next year. I don't know if you hand him a starting spot, but like he has to, if you're not, then you've got to be go out there and get somebody pretty good. But you, you, you are relying on Henry Davis to contribute next year. You kind of need him to, but I guess, I mean, I'm with you in the same sense. Like I can't say I'm not worried, but if I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet that he succeeds. Like we've seen too much good stuff from Henry Davis. You know, like, like of course, the numbers show up in the minor leagues and such. But, like, just the eye test, everything, like, that's the one thing we talked about like we came up here. Like, he just looked every bit the major leaguer. Now, granted, this is something we've talked time and time and time again about. Like, rookies struggle. They just they, – they do. It's natural. Pretty much every single one does. So allow them to go through the struggles because that's when they're going to learn, right? I, I'm just kind of at the point where the struggle has been real. It's been a while. Um and that's that's why you're a little bit worried. So again, we're talking about Henry Davis, who had like a thousand plus OPS in the minors, right? Like the best hitter in all all minor league players at you know the time that he was there. Mm. Um, and right now in the majors, right, and, the, and hitting was his calling card because we knew the defense was going to be bad. So he's got to be a hitter, right? And so far hitting now, he's he's batting 205, 296, slugging a whopping 326, has a 68 weighted runs created. Plus, the guy whose calling card is the bat has a 68 weighted runs created plus and a negative one war. You can't get that from your number one overall pick. I don't care how good Salamento is or Baba Chandler or Lonnie White Jr. or whomever you want to talk about from that draft. Like, you can't get this. It's okay if he's not going to be a great player, but he can't be this. No, granted, I don't think he's going to be this. But again, like, this is... This is a little worrisome, you know, especially when he goes down the triple A in the rehab and just obliterates it down there. And then immediately comes up to the majors and you see this. Why is the transition 
so different for Henry Davis? And why is the transition so different for, I feel like, every single rookie? And granted, again, like they're going to struggle. It's part of it. That's why we clamor for them to get up here sooner so those struggles get out the way sooner. So that way, once June, July, August comes, like they've got those out, they've figured out, you know, Major League Baseball for the most part. Um, but like, how come you look at the Cincinnati Reds and all their rookies come up and just perform? And then you look at the Pirates and all the rookies come up and none of them perform. L.A. De La Cruz is definitely having his struggles right now. But like even with L.A. De La Cruz, 20 points higher than Henry Davis, a whole 2.4 wins better than Henry Davis. Yeah. So like <clears throat> there's still a clear difference. But like every single rookie looks outside of Pagero bad that's that's more my worry is not isolate on henry davis it's why does everyone look so bad yeah and and i don't know i know you you mentioned the reds right as like a, another team and i i think if you looked around the league you would see that this is pretty common right like this isn't this isn't an anomaly that's happening to pirates rookies and i think a lot of it just has to do with i don't know what's necessarily happened over the last few years, but I feel like the gap, the gap between AAA and the majors is like huge right now from like a, from a talent standpoint, especially when it comes to pitching. And, and I think you can look at this, you know, when you, when you look at say the international league numbers, which, you know, you throw out the Pacific coast league. Cause they play in like Mickey mouse ballparks at, 10,000 feet elevation like the the numbers in the pacific coast league have always been wacky right but in the international league this year like the average hitter has an ops of 800 the average triple a hitter is opsing 800 i don't remember that ever happening and i don't think it's just because all of a sudden triple a hitters have learned how to hit really well i think it's because triple a pitchers just are the worst that we've seen them uh and and maybe that's just you know when you make that step from triple a to the majors you're going from seeing guys who should not be major league pitchers and you go immediately to guys who are major league pitchers and these are this is just what happens like it just takes a while to figure figure them out because you've never seen sliders like this you you don't see you don't see relievers pumping 99 mile per hour cutters in AAA, right? Like those things don't exist. I, I think that's a big part of it um, because yeah, you look around there, there are people struggling. Ellie De La Cruz, like when you brought him up, but I'm not going to say he's struggling as bad as Henry Davis, but Ellie De La Cruz is having a rough time in the major leagues right now, mm-hmm. striking out a third of the time. Uh, he's not getting on base. He's not hitting. He's now the he's only right reason now having the first part of, O'Neill Cruz's 2022 season. Yeah. I mean, Ellie De La Cruz's war is so high because he's a really good defender and he's a really good base runner, right? It has nothing to do with his offense so far. The offense has been terrible. So, and, and you're talking about a guy who was the number one consensus overall prospect in baseball, right? He's, he's struggling. Yeah. Um, and Henry Davis obviously was a little bit behind him, but uh, you know, highly ranked. The bat was going to play. Everybody knew it. I really think that's just what it is. I, I think the jump 
the jump is just bigger than it's ever been. That can be fair. That's definitely something we can get in the whole like other conversation for. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a loaded gun because I'm disappointed in how much every single rookie has struggled. Like, there hasn't really been one guy that come up and just look solid. But granted, as we talk, like, but also, like, you expect that. And that's why we think it's dumb for everyone to think that you have to coddle these guys because you have to get them up here and they have to play well because otherwise they're going to cry and go home and be bad play baseball players. They're just simply not, right? Like, this is part of the learning process. Um, but at any rate, yeah, I guess I look at it more towards the macro level, right? And less of, like, Henry Davis on a micro level, like, what's wrong with him? There's a little bit of that. And again, like the six strikeouts are concerning. That's concerning, but that's really not part of his game. And I don't think it's going to be. So it, it just kind of is what it is right now. Um, I would much rather see, like, again, we talk about small sample. Like I would much rather see Henry Davis finish out the season on a positive note. Um, I just, I'm just not sure if we're going to. I thought we might. Yeah. These six strikeouts and seven at bats tell me maybe not. Yeah, and like I'm not here to make excuses for Henry Davis. Like he needs to be better. Like he is playing bad baseball right now. And he needs to be better. The team needs him to be a good major league hitter. Like plain and simple. They they're relying on him to do that. Um because there really is no one else who's like an impact bat that's quote unquote ready. Right. And I mean, even if you go further down in the system, I don't know if you find one, um, you know, Tamar Johnson, but he's far away. Right. Yeah. Um, there's no one. There's no there's no impact major league talents on the offensive side of the ball in triple A. There's none in double A. That's it. You've got one. <laughs> you've got one in high A probably. But like, that's it. Like, there's not a lot of impact bats left in this system that aren't here. So the guys who are here are going to just have to perform, and Henry Davis is one of them. That's and, why the fans are craving Miguel Andujar so bad. And, like, I get it. Like, I, I understand why fans, like, see just, like, glimpses of, of, like, talent, and then they kind of attach themselves to it because you're trying to just find anything positive that you can. Like, I understand the, the psychology behind it. Um, you got to look more big picture sometimes, but – uh, I mean, Henry Davis has been bad. He's looked bad. He's played bad. He has to be better, like plain and simple. Yeah, that's it. There's a lot on his plate. I'll, I'll give some excuses for him. There is a lot on his plate. He's He has to apparently learn how to catch still. Also learn how to play right field on the fly. Also learn how to adjust and, and hit major league pitching. You know, there's a lot more on his plate than normal rookies have. Um, but again you want and need to see better from this. So I don't know if this is something where it's like, okay, like once the season's over, now you have the whole off season to, to do what you need to do, come back with a fresh mind, be better. These other positions, because now you've had an off season to actually learn them because we're going to actually set you up for success this time, opposed to failure. Um, so maybe he comes into, you know, into spring hits his stride. And now we see the Henry Davis that you see, but yeah, at this point in time, it's bad. It looks bad. And I don't have any answers for him. Other than maybe swing the bat when you see a good pitch and lay off the bad pitch and learn how to hit off speed a little better. <laughs> but 
but I have nothing to say like, other he's... than for him to be a good hitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all. But like he has a little bit of mindset, and again, like it's why he has a great eye. Like he sees pitches, but I don't. Where Jack Sawinski, I'm like swing the damn bat. I'm not worried about Henry's approach as much, but maybe he needs to start swinging the bat a little more. Maybe find that groove. Maybe I. I don't know what the answer is right now, but um, it's definitely not bench Davis, demote Davis. Like he needs to be playing as much as possible. Yep, and here, like this is where he needs to learn. Yeah, not go back and play with a bunch of junior high kids and just dominate and take nothing away from it. All right, cool, cool, cool. Well, then let's move forward. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about with Henry, I have nothing else to talk about there. Sweet. So the Pirates have a Cub series. Here's another thing, too. There's only one more home series remaining against the Marlins at the very end. So every other game is away. So the Pirates will be playing in Wrigley Field uh, starting tomorrow on Tuesday. Today is the off day. Um, You know, we jokingly crunched numbers behind the scenes on Friday night. Like, could the Pirates make a, like the wild card? <laughs> and if so, they have to win out. Clearly, that's that's done. But part of it was like the fun part, you know, here that like you have the Cubs, you have the Reds. Pirates aren't gonna have any wild card dreams, but they can play wild card or yeah, wild card spoiler. So it starts here with the Cubs. There's a chance that you know they can they can have a good series against the Cubs and win and, and ruin their dreams, right? Which I think like as Pirates fans, that's what you have left like left remaining to like hold on to and have some fun with. So let's talk about this Cub series, Jim. Uh, Cubs doing pretty good, playing some pretty good baseball. What are your thoughts? Well, they've lost five in a row, actually, so they're not playing good baseball. Okay, so recently they're not playing good baseball. Yes, let's I guess let's go there. That's pretty important. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, I I think I think if you're the Pirates right now, I said your your postseason aspirations are over. You're still technically in the hunt. You're not mathematically eliminated, but you're eight games out of a playoff spot with not a lot of games remaining and quite a few teams ahead of you. Like it's not, it's not happening likely. Um, but yeah, you play all the teams that are ahead of you that are competing for a spot here. And the Cubs are going to be the first one. They're 78 and 72. They're currently tied for the last wild card spot with the Marlins. Um, yeah, they're, they're losers of five in a row. They were sitting pretty earlier, like last week, and they've they've since dropped down here. So the Pirates have an opportunity here to almost like knock them out. Like if you sweep this series and you send the Cubs on an eight game losing streak in late September, like they're probably not recovering from that. So the Pirates have a chance to uh, make a lot of Cubs fans' lives miserable this week. So yeah, it's a nice opportunity. Um, and, and, you know, they haven't played well versus the Cubs this season, uh, the, the Cubs have the pretty much had their will, uh, yeah. against, against the pirates. Uh, I, I want to say they're like 10 and two, nine and one, their Cubs are nine and one against the pirates this year. So the pirates have aided the Cubs in their quest for a playoff spot up to this point, but let's see if they can recover and kind of deliver a, uh, a blow to them because, yeah, that would be that would be fun to just kind of knock them out of contention here. Yeah, it would. It would. That's that's what you have to ha hang on to. 
So at least like let's make the last few weeks kind of enjoyable. And I think there's many Pirates fans, right, that would find joy in that. I mean, especially we know the Cubs did to the Pirates. We remember Jake Arrieta. <laughs> Any way we can get back at them. Uh, this is an opportunity. <clears throat> Excuse me. So ooh. Yeah, so three games set. Uh, Bailey Falter is in line to to get the work tomorrow in game one, Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, against Javier Assad. Assad looked really good in his last game against the against the Pirates. Uh, so that that will be the you know game one. Game two, Quinn Priester against Jamison Tyone. So two two Pirate first round high school pitcher pitchers um, facing off against each other in game two. That'll be that'll be fun. Uh, I always like Illinois watching. and one currently playing in Illinois. Yeah, I, I always like I always like Tyone. Um, definitely Same. not having the season that he would want. Um, he's probably the, the the weak the weak link right now in that Cubs rotation. And then the finale of the series, you got your aces, Justin Steele, who you could argue is you could make an argument Justin Steele's the best pitcher in the National League right now. Oh yeah. Uh, and then Mitch Keller going for the Pirates uh, on Thursday. So yeah, I um I am definitely. I'm excited to watch this series. Like I said, it's always fun. It's always fun to play spoiler. If you're going to like, if you have to do something, I want to play a team that has something to play for. And you want to be able to, to kind of ruin their hopes and dreams. Like if right. we need to be sad and pathetic, then you got to be sad and pathetic too. We're going to yeah, drag them or pull them or drag them down with us. <laughs> Misery loves company. So let's, yep. let's add some seats next to us. And uh, yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting series in that sense. You know, the finale, right? Mitch Keller going against Justin Steele. I mean, that's hopefully going to be a, a really good game. That's something you want to watch because, yeah, Justin Steele has been just dominating this year. Um, and I was saying, like, you know, I love to go and pull up like since the trade deadline, right? How, how teams have been performing since then. Because also, too, like the Pirates have also been playing good baseball, like, not to the degree of other teams, right? But that's something we've talked about. Like since the trade deadline, you got to hand it to this team. Like they have played much better. Uh, the, still not a good team in that sense, right? But they've played much better baseball. I mean, look at the teams overall. The Cubs are only like slightly better, like every spot. Like they're they're a better hitting team, but not much better, right? Their starters are better, but not much. The relievers are better, but not much. You know, it's not like this team is just completely outmatched by the Cubs right now. So like this could be a series, you know, absolutely. Um, and it, high, the high mark is that. It ends with the two aces going to battle it uh, together. But, you know, as you mentioned with Justin Steele, I mean, he's had 49 pitches since the, the all, I'm sorry, all-star, since the trade deadline, 310 ERA. Assad, 45 innings pitched, 296 ERA. And, of course, Tyone, like you mentioned, not the best season, 49 innings, 4.93 ERA since the uh, the dead the deadline. Um, Yeah, it's like they have good – they have good pitching. We know the hitters too, like Cody Bellinger, still having this amazing turnaround season. Uh, Suzuki, I know he didn't have like the best season as like the rookie. A lot of people want to write him off. He's played well this season. He's played even better since the trade deadline as well. He's got a 177 weighted runs created plus since the deadline, batting 336, 386. Uh, you know, Ian Happ just absolutely obliterates Pirates pitching as well. So he's got a 115 weighted runs created plus. Um, since the break as well, that'll probably be a 150 at the end of the series, probably. <laughs> but yeah, like this is this is a good team. I understand they, they have 
five game losing streak into it, but like it's a good team. They've been playing pretty solid baseball for the most part, like after April. Uh, and like let's also think like Strowman's in the bullpen right now too. Like that's a weapon, and he's looked he's looked good in the bullpen also uh, as he's mending his uh, his rehab more or less. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's gonna be a pretty evenly matched series, I think, for the most part. I'm going to say one out of one out of three, though. Okay. Yeah. I I think on paper, you look at this and the Cubs are the Cubs have the better roster, right? I mean, just Mm -hmm. top to bottom, they're deeper. They've got, you know, more impact players. Cody Bellinger, like you mentioned, just having an incredible season. It's kind of crazy to see what he's done since uh, since leaving the Dodgers. Granted, Uh, he's no Cabrian Hayes. No, Cabrian Hayes. You're right. Um, Justin Steele has been just very, very impressive. Um, and I said they they faced them in the last game. Pete Crow Armstrong also recently called up for the Cubs. So, you know, you get to see him as well. He hasn't really hit. Uh, and he's I don't know if he's going to hit, but, you know, pretty good defensive outfielder. I, I'm going to. You know what? I'm going to say. And I've been right here quite often lately yeah i'm gonna say the pirates take two out of three pirates take two out of three they figure out a way to do it they're playing good ball um even even that yankee series like you had the collapse on friday um but that was really just jiwan bay like if 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 jiwan Mm -hmm. bay makes that throw then you win that game we're talking the pirates won two out of three against the yankees so yeah, they're they're playing good baseball, like you mentioned. Since the All Star break, Pirates are twenty three and twenty two, so they're you know they're above five hundred for a prolonged period of time. Yeah, playing good ball. I'll, two out of three. Let's go, Bucks. Let's go, Bucks. I like it. Again, I can't hate on it. It's what we talked about. Like I think these are more evenly matched than probably people think, but uh, it Justin Steele's so good. But Mitch Keller is pitching well as well. I mean, again, I think it comes down. It's it's going to be fun. It could be split and come down to that game, which makes it kind of fun. And hopefully it's like, well, hopefully the Pirates win. But, like, I can see that being like a one nothing game. Um, At any rate, though, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go one out of three. You'll I think probably too, have, like, the, Cubs, uh... the Cubs have really good defense, too, especially with the Crow Armstrong up now, too. Like, that's a very strong defensive team. Yeah, they have good defense. Probably on Wednesday, the Quinn Priester start. You'll have like the whole Priester family in attendance, and so we'll yeah. get to see maybe a, a that's true in-game interview from Robbie. Like, what's Wasn't it like? He... What's it like watching Quinn play here at Wrigley Field? Describe this to me. Let's say, wasn't he here? Was that the 2021 season? Wasn't he at the game? The COVID year, 2020. He was like sitting on on the bleachers up on the building across the street and they they like connected to him via a Zoom call. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's going to happen again. Okay, cool. All right. Well, then, yeah, with that said, anything else about the Cup Series you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, then we will get out of here. Appreciate you all for watching. Again, today is an off day. We'll have some more content coming out today, though, for you. If you, uh, well, Jim, you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, later today, new NS9 episode, something you've never seen before. Video coming out on our YouTube page at 4 p.m. Eastern. So check it out. That's just a teaser. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. Oh, oh OK, then. 
<laughs> well, I'll leave it at that. So 4 p.m. today, check out the YouTube page. Jim has a surprise that you've never seen before. <laughs> all right. Let's get out of here. Appreciate you all for watching. If you're listening, thank you. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. See you guys. Hey, you all. Thank you for watching. I know we try to provide the most entertaining content that we can, uh, and we'd love to spread it to as many people as possible. So uh, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but if you could take the five seconds to like this video and subscribe to the page, it helps out so much more than you know. Thank you, and let's go Bucks.